Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence that's already here. God, we thank you that you are up to something good, that you declared you are for us and not against us. So therefore, Lord, we take the position today, God, that we want to open our ears to hear what you have to say, God. Father, rest upon this place. Rest upon our hearts. God, we open our ears. God, we make the conscious decision to open our hearts to hear what you have to say, Lord. And we thank you for speaking today. We thank you, Lord, that you're opening our eyes to see and that you're opening our ears to hear. And we all say it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. Come on, I'm going to loosen you all up. Say amen. Amen. So the, the title of this message is The Shepherd's Call. Now, I could have uh, named it a lot of things. and I actually kept going back and forth what to really title it. But it's called The Shepherd's Call. I was praying at the beginning of the year. Uh, it was just early one morning in preparation because I, I knew at some point I would be bringing a message because uh, occasionally I get the privilege of that. Pastor Lena has great mercy and grace on me because I lead worship every Sunday. She's not as like, okay, you have to do it then. She's very lenient with me, and I appreciate that. But I was praying regarding this year and what God had for us as a church. And it was early one morning, and I'm praying all these things, and I'm praying this list of things and the needs, and I'm praying about the, you know, everything that was on my heart. And so all of a sudden, I just felt to ask the Lord this question. So I said this, Lord, with everything that I've been praying, the things that I need, the things that we need, the things that we want to see, what is it that I truly should be praying? And this is what happened instantly. I saw the words just like a billboard, Psalm 23. And I thought, well, that's odd. Um, I don't really think about Psalms 23. And honestly, not that I recall has this ever happened to me quite like this, where the Holy Spirit plants a question pretending it's my question as if I'm capable of that. See, and I don't say this very often, but I believe Psalms 23 is a prophetic declaration over this house. What do I mean by that? Because I believe it's prophetic in nature because it's where he's leading us to. See, it's a place he desires to take us. It's a season. It's a time. It's a rest that we are to enter into if you have ears to hear. The funny thing about this scripture is we know it all too well, and we always hear it at funeral homes. We've sort of relegated this scripture to funerals and the fact that it comforts. And yes, this scripture should comfort us, but this scripture is intended for the living. So we've got to stop thinking as Psalms 23 as a nice comforting scripture. Yes, it comforts, but it's not just for the dead to comfort us in our times of loss, but it's a scripture for the living. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to purpose in your heart as we read this scripture to not think of it as a funeral scripture, but to think of it as, and embrace it as a word of the Lord to you, what he's desiring to do in you and who he wants to be in you. Psalms 23, I'm reading out of the New King James because for some reason when I tried, I like the New American Standard, uh, but for some reason in my head, it only works in the New King James voice. <laughs> so let's read it together and just, come on, let's really take our time to think about what we're saying. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Can you say amen? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Now, I didn't mean for y'all to read that with me, but I loved it. Y'all got right on it. That's amazing. The Lord is my shepherd. It's one of the most rehearsed scriptures, but how many people actually live by it? Since that morning, I have prayed every day Psalms 23 over my life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. See, I believe God is calling us back to himself. Back to a place of trust. Trust. That's a delicate thing. Trust is so often based and it teeters depending on what's happening around us and what we happen to be going through. There's this saying that says, trust is built in drops and lost in buckets. Trust is built in drops and lost in buckets. Isn't that true? It's so true. Think about that. How does this impact our trust in the Lord? When things aren't going our way, when things don't go as planned, not like we thought, do we still trust? See, I didn't realize when God had given me Psalms 23 that, in fact, there are many other prophets, well-known, that had gotten Psalms 23 for this year. In fact, they call it Psalms 23 for 2023. You know we like to make things rhyme. So God is up to something. God is moving. I'm sure most of you have heard about Asbury College in Kentucky. It's, it's all over social media. Instantly, I think the, the day after it happened or the day of, I saw it on TikTok, and Asbury College, we, we've talked about it, John talked about it in a sermon last week, we've mentioned it at RPM, they're starting to experience a move of God, and it's gone now, per, it's like it's been a couple weeks, right? So what's happening there is what they're calling a refreshing, a revival, a renewing, an outpouring, whatever you want to describe it as, but God is certainly in it. He is moving. See, it's just a time of worship where they've put aside everything in their normal schedules, and they're just getting lost in His presence. There's, I just saw a video last night. There's testimonies of healing, deliverance, salvation, rededication. God is impacting those mostly college-age kids. And then all of a sudden, you, you hear other fires springing up over America and early across the world. I'm seeing the reports of that God is moving and that there's just masses of people coming together to, to worship Him because He is calling out. God is calling His sheep, the flock of His pastures, back to Himself. We've been scattered in search of greener pastures and better waters, but it's produced nothing in us. But the good shepherd is calling us back. He's calling us to return to a place of total trusting in him and being solely dependent upon his care. In this house, we are a people, a house called to steward revival. Revival is in our DNA. Our prayer is that God would move here just as he is moving across America. Now, this is some of the, the ways that the Bible describes what a shepherd is. A shepherd is compassionate, protective, loving, caring, humble, 
A shepherd is hardworking, sacrificial, a boundary setter, trustworthy, visionary. A shepherd sets examples and a shepherd is committed. That's just a list of the few things how the Bible describes it. See, David began with the Lord is my shepherd. Notice that. The Lord. David acknowledges that God is all-powerful and all-authority, but goes on to describe how this all-powerful God demonstrates His power by saying, my shepherd. See, that is the nature of God. A shepherd. So my question today is, who is your shepherd? Is your shepherd your job? Is your paycheck your shepherd? Is your bank account your shepherd? Is your gifting, your skill, your talent, your abilities? What is shepherding you? Is he your shepherd? Do you completely trust him? Be honest with yourself. If there's an area that you're not totally convinced, you're not totally giving him all your trust, then I challenge you today to simply tell him, Lord, I trust you in the area of my finances, but I'm not so quite sure I'm sold that I trust you in the area of my health. God, I trust you in the area of your goodness, but I'm not so sure I trust that forgiveness is for me. It could be whatever you're experiencing. You may trust him in one area, but you've not given him permission in the other areas. What is shepherding you? Is it your will, your emotions, your disappointments, failures, fears, rejection, insecurities, shame, guilt, condemnation? See, anything that is guiding you or directing you or moving you in a direction is shepherding you. Is he your shepherd? See, knowing him as Savior is very different from knowing him as shepherd. See, so for so much of my life, I knew that he was a Savior and that my sins were forgiven, but I didn't know that I could trust him as my shepherd. See, because we're no stranger to hurt. And hurt causes us to guard our hearts and to question the motives of others. I can remember Many, many years ago, when I really started allowing God to move in my heart, I had developed this pattern of I wouldn't let people into my life. I had become very restrictive. I didn't embrace people very well. And I had just sort of cornered myself off, and, and I was trying to let God to move in me. And so as, as Pastor Lena started noticing that when it came to God, I was doing the same things. I was putting up walls, I was giving no access, I was restricting, and one day I was happened to be at her house, and she was just talking to me, and she said, do you not realize what you're doing is the same thing you have done your whole life? And it hit me like a bombshell. I was like, whoa. See, I knew him as a savior, but I didn't trust his motives. I didn't trust his heart. See, we have to get to the place where we trust him with everything in our lives, where there is no restriction, and we give him full access to our hearts. The shepherd, it's his heart. He wants to reveal another piece of him. See, we've known him in this house as a deliverer. We've known him as a healer. We've known him as many things, but he is wanting to reveal his heart to us again today as our shepherd. He is our shepherd. The heart of the shepherd is screaming out to you, come back to me. I shall not want. Well, the problem is, is we want a lot. 
I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. It's like the, the whole song, I want it all and I want it now. We're all familiar with that. We have the microwave mentality, and yes, I'm borrowing that from what's old school because I really wouldn't say that, but we have a microwave mentality. We want everything now. I mean, look at social media. It's instant. It's like instant gratification. You, on TikTok, it's one one after another, one after another, one after another. I've got to break that obsession because it's like all of a sudden things aren't happening quick enough for me, and I'm bored within five seconds, and it's like if a TV show is on and I'm looking at TikTok at the same time, you're like, ah, oh, the TV is boring, and I'm back to this. See, we have become people who want to move on from everything so quickly that we don't allow God to do things in us and he wants to work in our hearts. But I'm telling you, he is wanting to bring us to a place of rest because we are scattered. I shall not want. See, but this isn't saying we don't have needs. We have needs and God speaks throughout his entire word that he will take care of us. See, what, this, what I shall not want actually means is I shall not lack, meaning that we have no other desires outside of him. Psalms 23 is a perfect description of what our desires should look like. Colossians 3.2 says this, Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Now, you can't physically set your mind on anything, can you? I can't take it out and set it somewhere, although at times, I think I might. See, our minds are made up of thoughts. You can't physically see someone's mind, but we're only witness to what comes out, and sometimes what comes out isn't truly what's on their minds. Spouses? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Says the single guy. See, our minds are made up of thoughts. See, the Greek word there, where we get the English word mind, is used to express what is truly on our hearts. It's what is truly and really on our minds. See, this doesn't mean, this, this is what it doesn't mean. It's not, it doesn't mean you have a momentary, isolated thought, but it shows an intentional, developed, and well-formed pattern of thoughts. That is your mind. See, when we think about something, we have to make a decision. We often say these words, well, I've made up my mind, or my mind is made up. So we are to set our thoughts upon the things that are above. The Bible says, he knows your needs before we even think it. See, before you can come up with the problem, he has the solution. But usually we go to the problem when he already has the solution available, but we bypass the answer because we are just looking for a little bit of sympathy from God. See, he cares for us. He knows your needs. We just are to have our only desire be for him and not for anything outside of him. God is wanting to remove things from our life so that we can enter his rest. So he's calling us to a place of trust. I'm going to give you four characteristics of sheep. Sheep can only lie down if these four things are met. Number one, sheep will lie down when they are free from fear. See, owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free from all fear. Sheep are so timid and easily panicked that even a stray jackrabbit suddenly bounding from behind a bush can stampede a whole flock. When one startled sheep runs in fright, a dozen 
will bolt in blind fear, not even waiting to see what has frightened them. Sound familiar? Number two, sheep will only lie down when there is no tension with others of their kind. Number three, sheep will lie down when they are not tormented by flies or parasites. If they're constantly tormented, they cannot become rested and lie down. And sheep will lie down when they are free from hunger. So to be at rest, there must be a definite sense, this is for you and I, a, a, a freedom from fear, a freedom of tension, and a freedom of aggravations and hunger. See, I don't think I need to convince you we are sheep. We know it. What I wanted to get to today and what I want us to grab a hold of is that the shepherd is calling us to come back to him. The Lord is my shepherd. So how do I know if I trust him? I'm at rest when everything around me is falling apart. See, I can face anything when I know that God has got me. You know, Cammie was talking about this year, Pastor Lena had, had really felt like the word for this year was stewarding abundance. And I truly believe that this is still a, a piece of taking it back. It's like in order to take it back, there are steps you have to do. And I believe stewarding abundance is a part of that. As I said earlier, there are a lot of prophets who are talking about Psalm 23. And what I've since heard is that other prophets were that not only did they get Psalms 23, they also got the word Goshen. Now, Pastor Lena, not knowing that all these you know, prophets are talking about Goshen, she got the word stewarding abundance. And that's exactly what Goshen is. Now, if you aren't familiar with Goshen, Goshen was a city that was a place of provision for God's people when the Bible actually says all of the earth was experiencing famine. But Goshen was a city of refuge. Why? Because Joseph, who served Pharaoh, had been storing grain and resources for seven years in preparation for the seven years of famine that was supposed to come. That is stewarding. Genesis 41, 46-57 says this, Now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven years of plenty, the land produced abundantly, stewarding abundance. So he collected all of the food and all of these seven years which occurred in the land of Egypt and put the food in the cities. Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. How many people want to steward that? How many people want to steward beyond measure? God is a limitless God. Everything he gives you can be given in a measure that cannot be measured. It is beyond any measure we could hope or dream. God is able to do all things. There is nothing impossible for God. So chapter, I'm sorry, verse 53, when the seven years of plenty which had taken place in the land of Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began to come, just as Joseph had said, then there was a famine in all the lands. But in all of the land of Egypt, there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt suffered famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, you shall do. 
When the famine was spread over the entire face of the earth, then Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, and the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Then the people of all the earth came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe. See, the earth system had stopped producing, yet provision continued to be supplied. See, the earth stopped its yield, but the supply sustained. See, there was seven years of, of provision because Joseph stewarded the abundance that God had given them. See, when we steward times of plenty, it allows for a continued provision even in our lean times. See, stewarding allows you to continue to be provided for and then cause you to provide for others. See, around here we steward finances very well. I can attest to that. Serving under Pastor Lena when I, I first came um, on staff here, uh, you know, I wasn't quickly giving the, the, the ability or the power to purchase things. So as, as serving under her, I, I got to realize how she stewarded the church's finances. Be assured, be at rest, we do not just loosely spend money around here. If you have a question, let me just tell you, I've been on staff here since 2004. Pastor Lena would weigh every purchase depending on what the price is, how long it was going to last. We'd have to use coupons. I have used so many coupons in my life. And then we have to make sure that, like, there's nothing she's going to overpay for. You should be glad at that. You can rest knowing that when you give here, it is not being spent wastefully. I'm just here to tell you. So there comes a time when um, the, the power to, you know, purchase things was, was given to me because I had served in, in the ministry. I'd served them. They, they, they became to trust that I would make good judgment calls just like them. And so having seen how, how Lena stewarded the money, it became a real purpose in me to value the, the finances just as she did. I'm not going to start buying things because really I'd probably have to pay for it because she would tell me, why did you spend that money? But the truth is I want to honor the way she does it because I believe that's honoring to Pastor Easy and Lena to spend the money wisely. So what I started doing was I remember that I would find myself in the cleaning aisle, you know, and I was going to purchase, I think it was paper towels. And so what I started doing was I started measuring and calculating the square footage to find out which was the better deal. Like, that's how we do it here. Like, you think we're out spending money crazily? I am in the aisle calculating the square footage of paper towels to make sure I'm getting the best price. So y'all can rest assured we're not overspending on toiletries and all that kind of stuff. Amen. So stewarding is a gift to us. Stewarding is all about relationship. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Let's look at verse 6 of Psalms 23. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David penned the word surely. Surely, goodness and mercy. Let me tell you this. Surely isn't by accident or coincidence. David is asserting surely as a declaration of expectation. See, he knew his God, the great shepherd. David is declaring, I know you are good, and because you are good, that goodness will follow me. I want us to look at the word mercy. It's just said in the, in the Hebrew. And it's really comprised of three 
meanings. And it, it's all three together. They interact with one another. It's strength, steadfastness, and love. It is said that any understanding of the word that fails to suggest, all three inevitably lose some of its richness if stood alone. Love by itself easily becomes sentimentalized or universalized apart from the covenant. Yet strength or steadfastness suggests only the fulfillment of a legal or other obligation. See, the word refers primarily to mutual and reciprocal rights and obligations between the parties of a relationship. But chesed is not only a matter of obligation, it is also one of generosity. See, it's not only a matter of loyalty, but also of mercy. The weaker party seeks the protection and blessing of the patron and protector. The stronger party remains committed to his promise, but retains his freedom, especially with regard to the manner in which he will implement those promises. How does that look? He loves us. He loves us with kindness and mercy. It is love we do not deserve, but it's the stronger giving something to us, the weaker. Not required by law, but given by grace. And his love towards us is everlasting. So who are you looking to? The sheep or the shepherd? See, we get our eyes off of the shepherd and start looking at the sheep. This person did this. They said that. This sheep accused that sheep. That sheep said, bah, bah, bah. John 10, 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep know my voice. Translation, you need to be listening. See, a lot of times when I, I read that scripture in my head, I translate that as, God, well, you better be talking. But the truth is, I better be listening. My sheep hear my voice. Kirk referenced this in his teaching a couple weeks ago about the Charlie Brown's teacher, am I right? The wah, 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 wah. That's what everything starts to sound like because we start tuning out what God has said. I mean, I've had to have times where I just say, God, I'm sorry. I've not been listening. I'll listen when I want to. I'll listen when I need something. But if you're trying to talk to me the other times, I think I'm just, I just get too busy. And you, just, you're not, you don't want to be bothered with it. But my sheep know my voice. And I know them and they follow me. But not just when it's convenient. And how do I know if I'm listening? My listening results in action. It is said that so oftentimes a coach's voice will resonate with his players more than the voices he hears in his home. Why? Because he's adjusted his ears to hear. It's how we can all drown out our, our mother's voice when they're yelling at us. You just start to tune out the voice, but there is a time when you can adjust your ears to hear. Through the crowd, I, I've told this story a thousand times, probably John has too. John and I used to, we, we lived in a house, he was my roommate, we had a house. Well, we went one day, which rarely ever happened, went to H-E-B, went shopping. And John used to do this thing that annoyed me so much. And he would do this, he would do it all the time. It was annoying. I hated it. John's like a brother that I want to punch in the face. No, I'm just kidding. So he's making this noise. 
And uh, I was used to it at the house, and so we were at, we're at the HEB. Uh, so we went to it together, which never happens. He's doing his own thing, I'm in, and I've lost him because that's how John is. He, wa- he walks, you know, 1,000 miles an hour. And so I got my stuff, and all of a sudden I'm going to check out, and I think, where is he? It's like a child. Where is he? So I'm like, tr- I'm trying to, to think about where I'm going to go. I'm thinking, where is he at? And then all of a sudden, out in the distance, I hear, and I, unfortunately, I heard the call. And I was like, hey. And so, so that is the way we can adjust our ears to hear. See, John had a call. I responded. See, God is calling us to come back to him. Let him shepherd our hearts and our lives, and we need to respond to his call. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what God is wanting to do in this house. He is wanting to shepherd our hearts so that when he shepherds us, we can help to shepherd other people. That's what revival is. He shepherds us so that we can shepherd other people. He reaches in through us and heals us and delivers us so that we can help others get free. That is stewarding and that is shepherding. We steward what God gives us. He shepherds us and so we can be shepherded and help others be shepherded by him. So when was Psalm 23 written? Ever been curious about when Psalms 23 was written? Psalm 23, it's at the beginning of Psalms. If you would assume that it was at the beginning of David's life, you're wrong. It is suggested. Now, there's no scientific evidence. We, we don't know because we don't have David to talk to. But, it, but it's suggested that David, when he wrote Psalms 23, was at the end of his reign as king. Do you get that? A king recognizes the king, but declares him as a shepherd. One shepherd recognizing another shepherd. See, David was a king and a shepherd. And what does he recognize God as? My shepherd. Come on, that is the heart and the nature of God, to shepherd us because he loves us. And it's his kindness that leads us unto repentance. See, if God didn't love us, he wouldn't call to you. If you're in another pasture, another field seeking out a greener land and fresher water, he would just let you go on your way. But because he loves you, he calls to you, come back, come back, come back. So one king recognizing another king, but knowing he is his shepherd. See, a shepherd has more to do with relationship. A shepherd describes a more close and devoted relationship. Whereas a king might do what's best for the majority, a shepherd knows and stewards each one of his sheep. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in open country and go after the one that is lost until he is found? That's Luke 15.4. The best way to find rest is is to keep the shepherd in view. See, sheep rest when they can see their shepherd, their protection. See, this is a personal statement, a declaration. The Lord is my shepherd. The world can go crazy, but the Lord is my shepherd. Church leaders can fall, the Lord is my shepherd. Friends can leave the congregation, the Lord is my shepherd. Other Christians can fall away and make wrong choices, but the Lord is my shepherd. See, I'm not being shepherded by anyone else. That's why you can't make me fall. I can only fall if I walk away from the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not lack. 
I'm going to close with this. Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16 says this. For the Lord God says this, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd cares for his flock on a day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will rescue them from all of the places they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing place will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down in a good grazing place and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself, declares the Lord, will feed my flock, and I myself will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. Would you stand with me? I don't know where you're at. Maybe this morning you do feel scattered. Maybe you feel a little lost, not quite sure what's happening. Maybe you've been in search of greener pastures. You know, repentance isn't a thing we should be ashamed of. Repentance is a way for us to walk in a, in a new level of freedom. What binds us is that we walk with this heaviness that we can't get out of because our pride tells us we can't repent of this. But I'm telling you, if you're feeling like you've been scattered, your thoughts have been scattered, that your focus has been on another thing, that your desires have gone the wrong way, then I just encourage you, the shepherd is calling to you this morning. He is calling for you to lay down everything so that He can lift you up. He is willing to rescue you, and that is what His call is. He is calling you to come back to Himself. So here's my challenge. You say, Alan, that's great, but I don't really feel Psalms 23. That's okay. When I first began to, to pray Psalms 23, I didn't feel it either. But I don't have to feel something to know it's true. And the more I declared it, the more I believed it. And the more God began to move in my heart. It's just a simple step. So here's my challenge. Pray Psalms 23 over your life every day. Every day. That's what I do. I just recite it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm purposing in my heart to get the truth that he is my shepherd in my heart at every place. I'm just going to read this prophetic word that this isn't mine. It's just a, a pastor from Dallas. I, I happened to, to find it, uh, and it just so perfectly fits with the, the shepherd. And it says this, I heard the Lord say, Psalms 23 in 2023, For I will make known the truth and power of Psalms 23 to my ecclesia like never before in 23 and beyond. Yes, I want you to know that I am your shepherd, and you shall not want. There will be a distinction between those who place their trust in me and those who don't in the coming days. For my people and my work will be marked by rest and restoration. Through rest, you will see the rest. And in your rest, you will find restoration, declares the Lord. Yes, such a sweet and divine rest for your soul. Then I will lead you in the right direction, and you will bring glory to my name. Your portion is a life without fear. Yes, as you live fearlessly for me, I will show myself strong for you, even in dark and hard places. 
I've got you, and I won't let you go. I'll comfort you, and I will turn the table on the enemy. The enemy will watch as I set the table for you with a feast of favor and provision, declares the Lord. This year, I will anoint you with fresh oil, and you will experience my overflow in an unprecedented way. You will be tackled by my goodness and mercy over and over again. All of this and more will increase exponentially as you dwell in my house, declares the Lord. Seek me as your shepherd and pursue me as your provider. Make me the sole source of your life and affection. Then and only then will you begin to understand the truth and power of Psalms 23. It is unveiled and unleashed in and through you, declares the Lord. Come on, who wants that in this place? Come on, let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are doing a work in our hearts. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we just lay ourselves down before your throne of grace, God, knowing that we are nothing without you, God. Lord, may our hunger rise to meet you, God. Lord, I thank you that you look upon us with loving kindness and care. Lord, you have not given up on us. We may have given up on you, God. We may have been disappointed. We may have felt let down, God, but you are calling out to us. Trust me once again. Trust me with your whole heart, with your whole life. The, the shepherd is calling to his sheep, come back to the place that I have for you. Because I believe there is freedom, freedom from fear, that God is wanting to get on the inside of us. I just thank you, Lord. Is there anyone in this place that just wants to rededicate your heart to the Lord? Just slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Anyone in here? Father, I thank you, Lord, that they are receiving and they are acknowledging and responding to your call to, that you would shepherd them. Father, I thank you that you would settle in their hearts this morning, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that they will find rest in you, that the struggle will be over. Father, I thank you, Lord, that they will find peace and restoration in you, God. Father, I thank you for these hearts that lifted their hands, God, saying they want more of you. And Father, we just love you this morning. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you care enough to call us to a place of repentance, God, for that is the beginning of freedom, God. Father, we love you this morning. And as your sheep, we say you are our shepherd. We love you today, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says amen.